1: This is the Hockey News Podcast.
0: It's the Hockey News Podcast presented by Ben GM, McKenney Hockey. I'm Mike Stevens, Ryan Kennedy. We like to start off the show by saying it's the best time of the year. It really is, obviously, because I mean the second round is great. Has been a little underwhelming in terms of drama, I'd say, from a yes. drama perspective, because it seems either teams are either going to lose in a blowout, or and on the other side, teams are going to just curb stomp their opponents. It, right. There is no in-between. Uh, there's no close games, basically. Very no in-between. Ryan, what is going on?
1: Yeah, it's very interesting, and I think part of it, There's, there's, I have two theories. Okay. One of which is... Conspiracy th- Not, not with, conspiracy. Oh, okay, theories. okay. Just no, theory. No, this okay. is sort of... you know, We have some very high-octane teams... In this postseason, still in this second round, sure where things can go one of two very different ways: You have mm-hmm. the New Jersey Devils, who we know, especially during the regular season, tremendous rush team, yes, great offense, um, and then obviously the Edmonton Oilers as well, mm-hmm. where you know just powerhouse offense and that you know immaculate power play that they have. Um, but things can also go wrong when they play an opponent that can either deflect that mm-hmm. or you know sort of. Uh, Absorb that attack and counterattack. in in this specific case, Carolina and Mm -hmm. Vegas Um, The other theory I have is that most of the sort of great goalies are out already Vasilevsky, yeah, he's gone. Shosturkin Shosturkin, Sorokin, Hellbuck. Yeah, you know, you know, we've seen magic from Marc-Andre Fleury in the past Um, You know even a guy like you know Matt Murray, who had a couple of great runs with Pittsburgh years ago, obviously on the shelf for Toronto. Well, he's
0: healthy now. He's, on the, he's, on, he's backing up on Wednesday well, night. Well, there, there you go. But has not played yet. They went to a 24-year-old rookie instead of him. So there, there you go.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think that might be a factor as well, mm-hmm. is that you have still some of the most tremendous offensive players in the game. Your Jack Hugheses, your Dreisaitl's, your McDavid's. Uh, but you do not have your Vesna Trophy candidates mm-hmm. uh, on the other side. So those are my two theories uh, as to why we're seeing some pretty wide-open scores and, of course, the unstoppable second-round force that is Jordan Martinik.
0: Yeah. Oh, my goodness. What, nine points now? Like, it's it's crazy. I think you're right. Basically, there are a lot of teams that are top-heavy, I'd say, left. Like, they're... Like you, like you said, there are the Edmonton Oilers who have the, the the power play merchants, as I like to call them. They're the crazy sort of like you know they have the two best. I would say it's pretty defended now. They have the two best players in the game. Like yeah. I don't think there's any like well they have two of the no I think those are like McDavid and Drysaddle. They're basically cemented there at least for right now as we recording.
1: If you were voting on the con Smythe right now, yeah. it would be Drysaddle. Drysaddle,
0: McDavid. You think or no, not maybe even maybe Ruby hints. Yeah, or you know? or Jordan Martinook, man. Like he's he's up there. Uh, but and also, if you look at, the, you're right. You have a lot of good goalies that are that are out. If you look at the goalies that we have left in, it's not a murderer's row. It's yeah, Sergei and... Bobrovsky, Joseph Wall. You know uh, who look. Could be great, I don't know, but he's he's a rookie. We'll find out tonight. We have uh, Phil Grubauer slash Martin Jones, you know. Yeah. Uh, 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 one of the three Carolina guys that cannot ever land on one, you know. Right. And, and you know, all of them have their, I would say, like, flaws in, in this situation. The only, I would say, superstar left uh, when it comes down to it is Jake Ottinger.
1: Yeah, and he's yeah. been up and down based on how well the Kraken have played mm-hmm. in this second round. Just yes. The, the amount of firepower they've been able to... Uh, generate particularly in that first game where he got shelled really uh, quickly.
0: Yeah, <laughs> which you, you never see. All right. Well, the biggest story I would say in hockey, even as the playoffs are going on, it's a draft lottery. Mm-hmm. Um, and so everyone, you know, waiting in you know, in, in hot anticipation um, to see where Connor Bedard will almost certainly end up. You know, obviously it's not the draft. Yet, mm. we don't like just because the team won the lottery, maybe they'll go off the board. No, they're not. <laughs> no. It's Connor, it's it, Connor, David, Connor, Bedard. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the Chicago Blackhawks they win the draft lottery. Um, look, I would say it's probably the worst possible scenario the league could have looked at from an optics perspective. From that, um, I think even just the way the draft lottery was handled wasn't great. They straight up spoiled the th- right. like the, the fact that there was a third, like Kevin Weeks got really excited and, and kind of skipped over the fact that Columbus lost the lottery and went down to third. Um, And, you know, for a team that a lot of people are saying probably shouldn't even have their first-round pick, um, is now going to get, you know, right after they bid farewell to the last, uh, uh, you know, sort of the closest thing we had to a dynasty, really, Mm -hmm. um, uh, with those sort of early 2000s, or or, sorry, early 2010s to mid-2010s Chicago Blackhawks, they now have the next foundational potential face of the league. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone kind of knows... I would say sort of that perspective of it. Let's right. keep it to, let's let's talk about what it means for the actual rebuild mm-hmm. um, for them. And basically, like it, it really does, I, I feel like it's not even worth asking what does it mean for the rebuild. It's very good for the rebuild. Sure,
1: yeah, yeah. I, I, it basically knocks two years off the yeah. rebuild uh, because you have your number one center for the next decade
0: plus. Have your franchise face. Yeah. You your franchise yeah. face.
1: Um, now, looking at the Hawks' roster right now, it's going to be a huge summer because <laughs> they don't have much, especially up front. Like, if you were to try to construct a top line for Chicago right now, it would be Connor Bedard at center, which is pretty great.
0: Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson. And, and Jason like, Dickinson.
1: I was going to say, well, no, Lucas Reichel, I would say.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm just looking at players that they still have under contract Right, for next right. Year. Yeah, Lucas
1: Reichel is still technically in the minors, yeah. I guess. Uh but yeah, Jason Dickinson would also be in your top six. And, you know, he's more of a, you know, bottom six. I mean,
0: like, they're the only reg- yeah. like, NHL regulars front. They're the only ag- NHL yeah. regulars. Yeah, literally yeah. the only guys above the age of 25. Like, yes. like call, Colin Blackwell is on on for another year. Yeah. But other than that, it's like 24, 23, 24, 24, 25, 20. Like, yeah. they've got no one it's else. It's a lot of guys yeah.
1: that are, like, tr- still trying to find themselves in the mm-hmm. NHL. And Chicago's giving them chances to do so, and that's all well and good. You know, they're a little, just slightly better on the back end where they do have veterans like Seth Jones and Connor Murphy. Nikita Zaitsev. Yeah. Um, and I would say it's funny because, you know, Lucas Reichel is kind of the gem up front in terms of their prospects, uh, you know, not counting Bedard at this point. Otherwise, they've got some very intriguing defense prospects, and it'll be fun to see which of those guys, whether it's Alex Vlasic or Alec Regula, um, you know, there's a couple more options down there. I mean, hey, maybe even Kevin Korczynski yeah. who could still go back to junior next year. Uh, maybe he even fights his way to a roster spot. Hard to say, you know, what their uh, dynamics are there. But what I would like to see now from the Blackhawks is you gotta bring in some veterans that can just kinda insulate Bedard, yes. uh, help him out, you know, help him along the way. Even if these are guys that you don't see in your long term play. Oh,
0: absolutely. Like,
1: and I don't think he just because of his skating, I'm not sure if he's a fit on a line with Bedard. But a guy like James Van Riemsdyk oh, yeah, would be a player and he's kind of gone through this before. Oh, absolutely. When he was in Toronto, yeah. where, you know, he's seen the good, he's seen the bad, you know, he's seen it all really in his career. He himself was a number two overall pick. Yeah. Um, but for him to come into Chicago, if you could convince him to come in for a couple of years. Uh, and just be that voice in the room, just sort of be somebody that can uh, be there for Bedard. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even say mentor Bedard because Bedard has got such a great head on his shoulders that I'm not even worried about that, but just somebody to be there to bounce ideas off and things like that. Uh, I really do feel like they need to care, even if they overpay for that matter, if they overpay for a couple of veterans, uh, my other really saucy thought, uh, I love saucy thoughts. This will sort of go into something we'll talk about in a bit, but what if they acquired William Nylander from Toronto? I
0: I always bring this up on every podcast I say, but because, you know, it's just true, but that happens in my NHL 23 Be It Pro universe. Well,
1: there you go. Connor
0: Bedard, though, did get drafted by Washington in that universe, so interesting. And Brad Marchand is on the Canucks, which makes no sense and totally ruins the realism. But anyway, as as I digress, look, you're 100% right, and I think when you... Like you know, obviously you look to the past for comparables, and like I think Connor Bedard needs his Gary Roberts, you know, like right. uh, to to um, st- his Stephen Stamkos or his mm. like I- I'm not going to say late stage Mario Lemieux, but I mean like Mark Recchi or yeah. even though they won cups with him well, or Bill like Bill Guerin for
1: Sidney Crosby. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: what I was going to say. Like yeah. Mark Recchi or Bill Guerin for Sidney Crosby. Yeah. Like they need those veterans that I think are around. And I think that's something that that McDavid could have really benefited from in Edmonton. Sure. I don't think he really, really sort of had that. I think he said that like Derek Roy at one point was really good, but I'm like, you need someone better than Derek Roy for that, <laughs> like it's, but I, I, I was thinking of someone as well in, like I'm pretty sure his contract is up this year, might not be, but like Nick Foligno would be great for that. Yeah, Maybe not on the line, but just like you said, James Riems, like like he can still kind of put in those 20, 17, 20 goals a yeah. year.
1: A power play with Bedard and JVR would be
0: fun. Net front, yes. just absolute merchants, yes. it'd be crazy, but I I do think that's a great idea. Um, look, this the thing with Bedard too is going to Chicago. Mm-hmm. He could if if he lives up to the hype that he is, and like you know, I, I really do think that you don't score at every level and at the clip yeah. and in all like whether it's at the at, at you know whether it's it's in junior or at the World Juniors or yep. everywhere he's he's just dominated everywhere he's been. I don't think it's possible to do that and not at least succeed to like an above average degree in right. the NHL. Right. I think if 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 like there just has to be like the monsters have to steal his talent or something. Yeah. Like I don't know. Yeah. Um, he can become the face of the league. Like this is this is not Conor McDavid in Edmonton. Mm. Just and not not like no offense to Edmonton. I mean like it's just like even if that's that's just the Canadian market. For a US audience For a US yeah. audience, yeah. which is, you know, has ten times the people that Canada does. <laughs> yeah. Like it unfortunately that's yeah. true. Um, I think that he he could become legitimately the face of the league if he does that. Like it's
1: I was also joking to myself that Connor Bedard not only does he know he's going number one, but he also knows he's gonna play in at least three winter classics.
0: A year. (laughs) Possibly, yes, yes. (laughs) Outdoor games. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's crazy. Like it's I I think look, this Chicago did, I would say, the most maybe not so much Arizona because i think they like everyone was like when it came to expectations that you know it was a plucky band of mitts mitz fits fits mm-hmm. that sort of came together and uh you know like were able to sort of finish in fourth last and that was great right. um but like Sh- chicago really did do the most blatant tanking this year for sure they stripped everything down yeah. and they were like it's funny i I always say, like, I watch all the behind-the-scenes stuff for teams, like, because every team now has their own like HBO, twenty-four-seven, right. self-produced behind-the-scenes. Chicago has one, and for the last like two or three, they haven't even focused on the team. It's just been the prospects, like, it's oh. just been like, like, what is what is uh, uh, Frank Nazer doing, or Carter? Right. Uh, that's that's him, right? Frank yep. Nazer, yeah. Yep. Um, or, or you know, like, what are, what's Kevin Korczynski up to? Yeah. Like, they haven't even focused on like. Usually, it's like it's, it's like shots of t- of the team getting on the plane and then in the locker room. Then it's like. The coach being like, "We gotta hustle and do," yeah. you know. They haven't even done that because they they just know like it's. It, there's no yeah. point. Um, yeah, I think it's this is this is monumental for uh, Connor Bedard. Mm. Um, I hope I hope that he develops some sort of personality. <laughs> that will be great because I'm not sure if you watch those interviews, man. But
1: yeah, you know what? He I think he's better one on one than in like at the World Juniors. He was very much like. Let's pump the brakes here. Like, well, he told we're trying us, to win the medal. Do not
0: ask questions about me. Ask yeah. questions about the team. Like, he didn't even let us talk yeah. to him about him.
1: Yeah. But I do, I, at least, like, you know, <laughs> I, I have noticed that there are some superstars and future superstars <laughs> who are very upfront about that, and it's like, I appreciate that. Because at, at least at that point, you can, you can go into a scrum with Conor Bedard and say, what did you think of... Shane Wright in this World Junior game, or what did you think of Thomas Millich and And like, he'll give you great stuff. Yes. It's uh, it's almost like a very European way of doing things where it's like, I don't want to talk about me, like, you know, I don't want to talk about what I do well, I need to improve on everything. Um, Long term, one last point I'll make on this is Chicago will most likely be very bad again uh, this season, which sets them up for... A very high pick next year, Mm -hmm. in which case, you know, two of the top prospects are Max Celebrini, uh, who I think is, like, not that far off of Bedard. Like, he just led the USHL in scoring as a 16-year-old and won Player of the Year. That's pretty unprecedented.
0: I was talking to some draft people, like, Mm -hmm. you know, just around the rank or whatever, and I asked them about Celebrini, and Mm -hmm. they said, like, if he was going to be drafted this year, he'd probably go, like, fourth overall.
1: Yeah, maybe even third. Maybe even third. Yeah, yeah I mean, because Fantilli, like the size and the skating, and everything would be pretty mm-hmm. hard to pass up. And then you have Cole Eiserman, who is yes. just like a wicked goal scorer, oh, like, yeah. on the level we haven't seen since like Ovechkin in terms of, you know, he's just gonna pump in goals. So I mean, a Connor Bedard Cole Eiserman pairing would be just hilarious. To watch
0: or Connor Bedard, Celebrini, parent like that. Well, they're both
1: centers, so either. You oh put yeah, one yeah, on sorry, yeah. Well, we,
0: on the we never know who who's going to be a center, who's going to be a winger it's when they true. get to the NHL. But yeah. the way
1: those two play the game, it's going to be center. Um, yeah. You would want both of them driving things.
0: I mean, if you look at their draft capital, man. Like even for this draft specific, specifically, they have yeah. six picks in the first two rounds, two firsts um and, and four seconds. But even next year, like you say they're gonna have a really high pick, they mm-hmm. might have two, because Tampa, who's gonna have to make some really tough decisions this year, I don't think they're gonna fall out of the playoffs or anything, but like they could, you know, they have that pick. And then the Leafs in 2025, we have no and this is a great segue into our next topic. We have no idea what the Leafs are gonna look like in, in 2025. We have no like literally there could be no one left from that that core. Right. There could be it could look completely unrecognizable. They could be in their 2015, 2016 arc of their new rebuild at that point um uh, funny enough tonight's outcome will likely determine that so who knows that could be a huge pick as well um chicago is is look i i i think tanking is tanking is obviously extremely smart it's obviously what you need to do the way that the system is set up that is how you do it but man it was tough watching some some chicago blackhawks uh, uh hockey this year um but at least, hey, you know, they, 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 it gave them a war chest that is crazy. Now, actually, not our next topic, but the second, the second um, topic here is that we now know, obviously, that Adam Fantilli will go to the Anaheim Ducks. I, I, the Ducks and the Blue Jackets were my two top sort of landing spots for Bedard. Right. I thought it would have been awesome to see Bedard on a team with, like, zegris and all of it, you know, Zegris, yeah. Terry, uh, uh, McTavish. Mason, Mason McTavish. Yeah. All of those great, great players. I, I literally said, you go back, like, you get Connor Bedard, you add him to that core, then you go back to the Mighty Ducks jersey, and instantly you have the most popular team in the league. Like, instantly you have, you have a jersey that people will be wearing it, like, Coachella. Right, like, you right. know, it's, it's crazy. Um, and, then, and then, you know, uh, uh, with Columbus, I think that could just build hockey in Ohio. Yeah. Um, but we now know, you know, will go will almost certainly go to the Ducks. Are they kind of in a better spot here?
1: Well, I think they're definitely ahead of Chicago, and this is really fun. This is something that uh, just came out yesterday. The Anah- Anaheim Ducks I have it pulled up here, yeah. had the top defenseman of the year in all three major junior yeah, leagues. They have in the OHL, uh, Olin Zellweger in the dub, and Tristan Luno in the Q. Yep. Uh, obviously, they also have Jamie Dre- Drysdale, who's already been in the NHL, who's hurt most of this year. But... You know their defense score, They're going to have some fantastic competition coming up. And then, as you mentioned, you know up front, they're not starved for talent. Like you had no. Fantilli, and it will be interesting to see: does he go back to Michigan for a year, or does he go straight to Anaheim? Mm-hmm. He is a late birthday, so you know he is older than yeah. uh, Bedard, and you know he is already about six foot two, uh, maybe even closer to six foot three. Uh, great skater, He's got that great physical package. he's got the drive. So he certainly could contribute right away to the ducks. And again, you know when you have Zegras as your top line center, if Fantilli is your second line center, then you're not seeing all the best uh, four checkers um, or you know matchups. Uh, you'll still have some pretty decent line mates because you know the ducks do have some talent there and they can add some more players over the summer. But yeah, this ducks team, and again, they still have John Gibson in Net as well. So yeah in what is clearly a very bizarre Pacific division right now, as we're seeing from the playoffs in Seattle, uh, just marauding, although Dallas is now mm-hmm. catching up with them. Um, you know, who knows what the Pacific's going to look like next year? Like, who knows how good uh, Calgary is going to be? Who knows how good L.A. will be? Um, you know, the Sharks, I think, are still going to be rebuilding. But, you know, Anaheim could be in that Buffalo situation, where it's like, you're probably not gonna make the playoffs, but if you're playing important games in March, uh, then that's kind of a victory. So I'm, I'm very intrigued by what the Ducks will look like next year, um, especially if Fantilli decides to leave the NCAA.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're they're in one of the most enviable sort of situations a team can be in, uh, 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 like for the future, I would yeah, say. Yeah. They, they're gonna add a, a talent that if it wasn't for, you know, literally like uh, the next one kind of guy in yeah. the draft would be far and away like the number one pick. Totally. Um, you know, he's dominated every single sort of uh, the the numbers this guy put up in in college as a freshman yeah. was, were insane.
1: And to the NCAA in scoring as a freshman is, is you is never see it. Very impressive.
0: Like, do you know when the last time that happened?
1: I mean, I almost assume it was Paul Correa, but maybe it, I'm wrong.
0: That's a long time ago, man. That's a long time. We're talking about a guy who retired for like fifteen years, and like this is during his call, incredible. Um, yeah, you look at the fact that they had, they have the three, they're all of their prospects basically. They 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 ran the triple crown when it came to defense. And here's what I like about it too is that they they the way that the team is situated now. Is that you know they let go of Dallas Eakins to become a, a just a hard to watch person on Sportsnet, <laughs> right. and he's, um, no he's no Derek Lalonde. He's no Derek Lalonde, and Derek Lalonde wasn't even it's a conversation for a different day. But now they have a GM in Pat Verbeek who's very aggressive, who who wants you know who wants to do things his way, mm-hmm. um, can now pan pick a coach. True. He, this is like he 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 inherited Dallas Eakins, yep. kept him around for a bit, likely to. to I don't know, again, it goes back to our biggest argument of whether or not they want to be good this right, year. Right. Um, but now they can, they can pick that coach So they, to, to the point where like we go, okay, this is the guy who's going to lead the, this like enviable group of young talent that's mm. going to go up into the league. And what I like about it too is, look, uh, no disrespect to the market, but like, Conor Bedard is going to be facing a ton of reporters every single day. They're, yeah. like, and Adam Fantilli just not. He's going to be true. able to grow in just far more freedom without a fishbowl. He's going to be able to make mistakes. He's going to be able to, you know, learn like, because I feel like when you're in a big market, you're not able to learn because learning, it comes from failing and then succeeding by learning from that failure. But it's hard to learn from that failure when you fail. And then, Every newspaper and every blogger and half of Twitter right. screams at you about how you failed.
1: Why does he only have five points in his first ten games?
0: Look, Austin Matthews scores four goals in his first game in the NHL, and then I think he has like two in his next eight. And they in TSN goes has Austin Matthews hit a wall. Right. Ten games into his career, yeah. after the was b-
1: Patrick Lyon a better yeah, exactly.
0: And uh, so I, I, at the end of the day, man, like I think I think Fantilli. Even from that perspective, just is set up for success better. He's going to have a new coach who will likely be picked to to with with the uh, sort of like knowledge that he is carrying this young group of like he's going to nurture this young group yeah. of talent. So it's not they're not going to pick like Gerard Gallant. Yeah. You know they know they're yeah. likely going to pick someone who is able to connect with that generation. Yeah, to, to is more sort of like forward thinking in that group, and it's handpicked by a GM instead of inheriting it. Mm. And then he'll be able to fail, succeed, you know, learn, grow without, you know, being under a intense microscope that might limit that growth. Um, I think it's a great opportunity for him. I think it's a great opportunity for, for the franchise because I think the, there was a time in my life where the Anaheim Ducks, uh, I remember being in like grade one, grade two, where they were like the coolest team in the league. Yeah, they, it was awesome. They had Solani, they had Korea, and everyone loved them. I thought they were they were rad as heck, man. <laughs> and I think we have an opportunity for them to be rad as heck once again. There you go. Um, all right. Speaking of teams that are not rad as heck, the Toronto Maple Leafs. They have the opportunity to get swept tonight mm-hmm. by the Florida Panthers. Um, just a, a man. I don't even know where to begin with this. This is pretty. This is pretty tough for a team that finally seemed to conquer its demon. First of all, before I say this, before we get <coughs> into like what potential the fallout will be does this sort of negate that slaying its demon? If they get swept tonight, does that negate their sort of slaying their demon narrative?
1: I don't think it negates the narrative, but it still is a huge disappointment because at least from an outside perspective, it feels like they were just happy to win in the first round. Now, I will say, it felt like, especially in game one, There was some pucks that just kind of rolled past the crease or hit the post where that could have been a very different game. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it wasn't. So you just have to go with what actually happened. Mm. And they did lose. They've lost three in a row. And I mean, hey, we don't know what's going to happen tonight. We're burying them before they're technically dead. Exactly. So if they win, then uh, you can thank us for a reverse jinx, uh, Leafs fans. But let's just assume that they lose this series. Um, You know, I mean, a lot of... Eyeballs have been on that core four, uh, the lack of production. And we were sort of joking about it before the podcast. Mm-hmm. You have the expected goals for uh, in, the, uh, in the fancy stats realm yeah. now. But uh, as a codger in training, I want goals for. Yeah. I, don't, I, I
0: expect you to score. Expected by whom, <clears> as what <throat> exactly. say.
1: Exactly. You just have to score. Yeah. It's nice that we expect you to score, but we want you to score. So what do you do? And I will say this. I was looking this up today, and I don't know if the market has the patience for they it. They don't.
0: I, can already, I don't even know what you're going to say, but they don't. I'm telling you right now. But it okay. took
1: 13 seasons for Alex Ovechkin to win the Stanley Cup with Washington.
0: So He spent most of those, though, before Twitter.
1: Very true. Very true. Um, but how, how much patience do Lee fans have? Not How that much, much patience does management have before you say, okay, you know, we had all the defensemen. And, uh, you know, goaltending, I think, you know, Samsonov...
0: He's played well. He's played
1: well enough Listen. that I think he's your guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, moving forward, I don't think you need to search for another no. guy. Especially if Joseph Woll turns out to be a pretty good, like, 1B. And Matt Murray, obviously, you still have him under contract, so you got to figure they, out that.
0: He, he's gone. <laughs> Fair yeah. enough.
1: Um, but... At some point, you have to say like, okay, well, what haven't we done yet? And that's mm. what I was saying earlier with Nylander, where it's like, fantastic player, you can get a great package back for him because mm. he's still under contract next season. At a very a good rate, too. At a pretty good rate, yeah. Um, but, you know, what is that piece that you need to add? And, you know, we talked about Ryan O'Reilly mm. and Noel Achari being exactly the type of players they needed, and then Luke Shen on the back end is the same. I think you try to re-sign O'Reilly.
0: I think he's re-signing. Yeah. I'll, I'll get into it one. Yeah.
1: And I think what you need is, you know, you, you're not going to get maybe a straight trade for Nylander. Like, maybe what you do, and I'm just, I'm using him as yes. an example because yes. he's the most tangible uh, because of his contract. But you move him and you get, you know, futures, but then you go out with that cap space and, like, you re- re-sign O'Reilly. But also, maybe you try to get a guy like J.T. Comferr. You know, because yeah. your top six is going to be fine. A mm. top six that has Matthews, Marner, Nyes now, yeah. you know, Tavares, Bunting, that's fine. Um, and then, well, and O'Reilly as well. Um, it's that bottom six where if you can get those difference makers, you know, again, looking at like a Colorado, for example, and, um, you know, guys like Arturi Lekanen that aren't you know, your typical top sixers, But can get it done in the playoffs. And then again, Valerie Nichushkin, a guy who was playing a top six role, but you look at his profile and it's like awesome defensive Mm -hmm. metrics. And then, you know, he just happened to get red hot in the playoffs as well last year. It's those kind of players that you need to sort of like ferret out that it feels like they just need like a slightly different look where it's like when things get kind of grimy like this. You've you've got your Jordan Martinook, you've got yeah. your Joe Pavelski, yeah. uh, you know guys that just get it done. Um, and then obviously with Florida, they have that kind of archetypal archetype guy in Matthew Kachuk mm-hmm. who can do everything. Um, so you know, I mean, what else? What else can you say at this
0: point? Look, you're you're right in the sense that every it seems like with every other team they 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 have a guy that. You know, they they have these guys that will get it done, as you say. Mm. Whether like, and and it seems like with any team, and this could it could start tonight with wool. They have a goalie who gets dropped in, and boom, he's able to win. Even yeah. like with Akira Schmidt, yeah. like yes, he's turned into a bumpkin now, but he helped <laughs> win them that first he round. Beat
1: the Rangers exactly. They will make a statue for him. You Rangers. know, like they
0: yeah. they you know you have a Jordan Martinuk, a guy who's able to get dropped in and just score those goals when you need to. The thing that that you know, I, I think that it, it's different because. If you look at those series with Ovechkin, uh, um, you know, first of all, again, it came before Twitter. Li- right. And I literally think that is a big deal because there wasn't, the, like, the way to hear, critic- or the way to, like, voice criticism was you had to wait for Mike Milbury to be on, you know, <laughs> right. NBC saying he's not a student of the game or right. whatever. Like you weren't able to have, like, you know, so- some dude in Oakley's being like, I think N- Nylander is soft, trade him. Right. You know, like, it, I think Ovechkin's soft, trade him, like, you know, stuff yeah. like that. Um, but, if you look at those series, like, Ovechkin always showed up. Mm. Even when they lost, uh, you know, like, I remember when they lost that, you know, uh, to the Penguins in the second round, and, you know, like, Ovechkin, like, there was a reason why that series is so legendary, because Ovechkin had dueling hat-tricks with, with Crosby. Yeah. He was there. You know, like, and and when it comes down to it, like, they're, and we've seen it in this series, like, Leafs players are, they're wilting. Like, mm-hmm. they are. Like, the, that yeah. core is wilting, and... People and, and here's the thing too is people make excuses. They're playing through. They're playing through injury. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Everybody is. Everyone's playing through injury. Yeah. So I I'm just gonna like I was writing a column after game three mm. to be to sort of like fill that gap in between because we had a two day layoff which is the worst possible time for a two day layoff in this market um, and I realized that it was a a postmortem but I'm gonna, just gonna spoil the lead basically. Okay. Here's what I was saying. I was saying that Leafs fans at the core of everything they just want to be normal. Mm. They just want, it's like what everyone, everyone in society, right. deep down at the core, they just want to fit in. Right. And for a very long time, the Leafs have never had anything normal to celebrate. Their their losses are always spectacular. Mm. They're always historic. They're always just legendary records. Memeable. Yeah, memeable, but like a record setting, like no team has ever done this before. Right, right. Or, you know, it's, it's either you're blowing a huge lead or, you know, you're something like some that. And their wins are few or far between. They're usually followed by some sort of an asterisk. Mm. Whether it's like, oh yeah, you won, but it's like it still was enough to get out of the first round. Or yeah. you won this, but this happened. And it seemed like for the first time in the time it took to birth a child and raise it to adulthood, um, Leafs fans were able to, to be able to cheer for something and cheer for their team in a way that every other fan base has gotten to basically at that, in that point, in that mm. span of 19 years. Oh. And I think if they get swept in the second round, that goes away. Right. I think if they get swept in the second round, they, they that asterisk that is always hanging over them, uh-huh. waiting to sort of like undercut any success that they have, gets dropped. Because yes, you made it out of the first round, but then you got swept in the second round by the eighth seed. Yeah, after, you
1: still haven't won a second round game in yes, 19 years. Yes,
0: after having home ice advantage. Mm. You know, after... After your, after having and like Florida's done great because they literally have no pressure on. Them. They're playing with house money at this point. But like, this team, this Leafs team on paper is so much better than Florida mm. on paper. Yeah. It doesn't matter in the playoffs, but on paper they are. So this is a disappointment. I think that goes away, and I think, just based on the, the context of where this is with with the team, I think the context of once again the stars. Like, look, Matthews doesn't play. You know hasn't performed or played that well, but like he's been, he's at least able to put it. He got an assist la- uh, in the last game. He's been able, you know, he's been able to to do some things uh, in this series, be able to mm-hmm. produce some somewhat, or at least show that he's producing somewhat. Nealander has has the numbers at least, but Mitch Marner, like like in this is once again, and I saw a tweet that is the most I think damning indictment of Mitch Marner is someone should tell Mitch Marner to play as hard in Game Four as if, or play game four as if it was game 82 versus New Jersey and he was trying to get his hundredth point. And I thought, oh boy, that is, <laughs> that, that hits, that hits right in the heart. And I'm like, that's, they're not totally wrong. <laughs> like it's, and so I, I, if you look at everyone else, like Riley has played very good. Yep. Um, you know, like TJ Brody is getting tasked with doing so much. And I think a lot of this does then come down to the coach, mm-hmm. um, And, you know, I mean, I I can't believe I I was saying earlier this year that Keith should get, uh, um, you know, Jack Adams consideration based on the amount of injuries that they had and everything that I'm taking that away. Fair. I think I can't take that away because at that point in the regular season, he was doing what needed to be done. But I think when you when push comes to shove, you need a coach who's able to hand. And I think he's very emblematic of the team. He's not able to handle this pressure. He's not Mm -hmm. able to to get out of his own head. Right. You know, there's that famous thing in the, in the all or nothing documentary where Paul McLean sitting in a boredom going like they have demons under their bed, they have demons in their cars. I think Keith has that too mm. in the sense that like when push comes to shove, he galaxy brains these line of decisions to the point where it makes absolutely no sense. And game two in Toronto, I'm in the press box, I'm watching and I go, why? They're down by one. The goalie is about to be pulled. It's a it's game two. You go down two games to nothing. That's that's a that's a huge hurdle to climb because now you're going on the road. Why is David Kampf out there? Mm. Why is why is this happening? And then it happens again in game three. And then this and then now to, to sort of uh, in and, and then now to to sort of, I would say like uh, 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 go. Be, they're on the brink of elimination here, and Keith goes all right. Well, I'm going to go to my comfort food. I'm going to put Justin Hall, who has been on for like eighty for literally eighty percent. Like, again, right. he was the, – the, the backbreaker goal yeah. was the Anthony Duclair breakaway in game three, and Justin Hall is the reason that happened. Mm. He was stuck in the middle, and, you know, it's been time and time again, and for some reason he goes back to Justin Hall in the top four, and then on top of that he goes to Alex Kerfoot in the top six. Mm. It's his comfort food, and I don't think – and, like, every coach has – we just covered this on Staffing Graph. Every coach right. has coaches' favorites or yeah. coaches' pets, usually a role player, usually do this, whatever – but you cannot trust you cannot trust a coach in a, in and when there's literally an era on the line here mm-hmm. you cannot trust a coach to make those deci- uh, 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 to lead them through it if he's going to make those decisions mm. he is not playing this lineup to the to the potential that they have he has been out coached in pretty much every playoff series he's ever been a part of as as Leafs head coach and i think a big i think if if Dubas does stay i think a big sort of like sort of mark in his tenure will be whether or not he can disconnect his personal connection mm. with Sheldon Keith and realize that he's not the guy for this roster. His regular season wins do not matter. He, Keefe is like the fastest coach to get to this yeah. milestone. He's got the best winning percentage. It doesn't matter. You look at his playoffs, his playoff uh, sort of like record, his track record, it is not good enough. And he is, he is not playing this lineup. He is getting, he is getting his lunch eaten mm-hmm. by the guy on the other bench. No. Every time. You cannot win a Stanley Cup like that. You can't.
1: It sounds like it's Peter Laviolette time.
0: I mean, look, I've been seeing people saying, like, uh, uh, Gerard Golant, bring him in there. And I yeah. go, like, oh, cool. So you want none of the prospects to do anything. <laughs> that sounds great. But, no, it's, like, I, I do think that, look, obviously the core can be better. Mitch Marner has turned into someone, I, like, I don't even know who the Mitch Marner I'm watching is. Right. Because... The decisions he's making like he got nominated for the selkie he's yeah. a he's a legitimately like elite player in the nhl and he is giving the puck away in a manner that i've never seen before i don't know what is going on um but it all comes down to the coach and the situations that he is putting these players in and you cannot win a stanley cup with justin Hall in your top four you cannot win a stanley cup with alex kerfoot in your top six and when the chips are have fallen the most in every situation he has gone to that he will not fail anyway New Jersey, another team that's in an interesting situation here. They're down 3-1. Yeah. Um, and look, they, they had a great sort of rebound game in game three. Yeah. They came out like it's it looked like their strategy of getting whopped in games one and two and then coming out and just taking over the series in game three right. um, was working until we get to game four. Right. And I found it very interesting because it was a Dougie Hamilton quote, I believe, after last game. He said, like, look, when when we get down like one or two goals, the game just runs away from us. Mm. Like we 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 cannot keep control of it because if you look at all their losses, they have been of a blowout yeah. sort of fashion. Um, what should New, I again, we're going to bury a team before they're even eliminated, right, right. but what does a New Jersey uh, what does New Jersey's offseason look like if let's say they get out in 5 or 6?
1: Yeah. And you know, with the Devils a very different scenario from the Leafs because Way they, they don't have that baggage and This year was an unbridled success. Um, They are playing with house money. They're playing with house money to the point where my expectations for the summer is that, you know, Tom Fitzgerald looks at what he has already created and says, we're not far off.
0: Oh, not at all.
1: Jack Hughes has been the one we expected. Nico Heischer is a Selkie finalist. Um, You know, that back end is looking great. Goaltending. This is where it's very yes. interesting because you know Vitek Vanacek was very good in the regular season, uh, but you know he got Walt in the playoffs. Bringing and then they brought in Kirish Schmid, who is still really a prospect.
0: Yeah, he's 22. Yeah, yeah. So excuse me for me You're getting emotional about this.
1: <laughs> apparently, yeah. or indigestion at least. <laughs> um, there's you know two very interesting things. One is you know Damon Severson is up for unrestricted free agency yep. this summer. Can they keep him? I, I don't,
0: don't know. I don't think they even wanna keep him.
1: I don't know if they, yeah, I mean, he's been a good soldier, but, I mean, they can replace him. I mean you have Luke Hughes, who's obviously not the same style of defenseman, but is cheaper because he's on an entry-level deal mm-hmm. and has incredible potential, uh, some of which we've already seen at the NHL level. But my big swing that I would maybe consider if you were in New Jersey is you know, it's interesting because Lyle Spector on THN.com talked about Connor Halebuck, is he a fit for Pittsburgh? I say, would Connor Halebuck oh, he'd be a be fit in New
0: Jersey? I think he'd be perfect for that. A team
1: that's still on the rise. Yeah. And if you're Connor Halebuck, you want to win now because you've put in the That's work the only thing he cares about now. Yeah, as well he should. Yes. Maybe it's m- maybe you do some sort of swap where either Vanacek or you know, Mackenzie Blackwood go to Winnipeg as part of the trade and obviously you know, New Jersey throws in some goodies on top of that. But a New Jersey team with Connor Halebuck in net, all of a sudden, maybe you're the favorite. At least, like, in the Metro, maybe you're even the favorite in the East next season.
0: I mean... Look, there are obviously problems outside of goaltending in in New Jersey, like the reason why they're at this point. Mm-hmm. But if you have a solid goaltender
1: and somebody who can steal a game when you're not playing, exactly,
0: or even someone you can just rely on, like someone sure. who you know is going to go out there and stop ninety one point five percent of the shots get thrown that yep. get thrown at them, um, that changes the game, man. That mm-hmm. changes it completely. You add Connor Hellebuck to even just this team in its current form, mm-hmm. I think they're money in the bank. Like I think that they're. They're rolling over the, uh, the Hurricanes right now um, because, like they said, the games get away, and, and that happens when you have a goaltender who gets scored on early, and then you realize, oh, man, well, like, we, we lose faith in this guy, yeah. and then suddenly you're overthinking everything. Yeah. Suddenly every puck skips over th- that next pass. Suddenly you're, doing, you're chipping it out instead of making stretch passes, and mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah, I think, this is, I, think, I think Severson's gone. I think, you know, the, he's been in trade rumors forever. Right. Um, he's 28. He's going to test the market. Um, so I think I think he's he's likely uh, 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 to be gone. But you have these like we talked about Anaheim's defense prospects. Mm. Like you have Luke Hughes and Simone Nemec, yep. who are two of the best. I would say, maybe the two best defense prospects in the NHL. Like two of yeah I would two say of them.
1: David Juracek. Yes, like yeah. they
0: are right up there. Yep. And if you need to like Luke Hughes looks like he can step into an NHL role right now. Mm-hmm. And Nemec was very, very good in his first year in the AHL, mm-hmm. and, you know, he's going to, he, he can come out. Like, you have, you, have great, you have great sort of back-end success there. Um, then you, you find a way, you, you have a lot of money coming off the books here. You have to re-sign Jesper Bratt, but you also have Thomas Atar coming off, Miles yeah. Wood coming off, who, you know, I, I think those two players, they're not going to be huge irreplaceable losses. Mm-hmm. You can get guys for cheaper. That's, not, that's $10 million coming off the books right there. Uh, um, you know, you likely you can
1: resign team Meyer
0: exactly, and then you and you at least still have his rights, right? right? So you can do that. Um, there's a lot to, to to like about this team. I think it's I think it's literally opposite of Toronto in that like yes, they get they get bounced, and then I think the GM can go well. Yes, we got bounced, but like, how exciting is this that we yeah, can now take it is this? It was a good start. It's a good start, but like, how exciting is it that we can now take this to another level? Like, it it's, almost
1: feels like those early Jonathan Tate's Patrick Kane, Chicago teams yes. where it's like, okay, we're gonna take our lumps, but we're here now. Yeah. We know what it's all about. We have the talent. Let's take it to the next level. It's almost
0: like they have to kind of get through this because a) it'll teach them that like you know nothing's going to be easy in this league. Yeah. Um. But also be like they have to get through this because now they have a ton of money coming off the books, mm. and it's almost like you know in a fantasy in the fantasy draft where like you have all you you get all this money off the books now you're like oh sweet all right now I can dip into the free agents right. now I can call up my prospects. Yeah. Like I've been a GM. You know, and it'll be the show. I played GM mode. You know, when I was unemployed before I worked here. You know, until like the twenty thirty season. I remember right. after every season, the off season is my most my favorite part because all my all my contracts came off the books, and I'm like, yeah. all right, now I can sign free agents. Now I can call up my prospects. Now right. I can do this. And I and I think honestly, it's gonna obviously it's gonna it's gonna suck if they if they lose uh, internally. But you can go in the off season being like, man, I. I we are excited. We're gonna have so much cap space. Yeah. We have a great pipeline. We have we have Hughes and, and Heischer signed to two of the best contracts in the league mm-hmm. until at least 2026-27, which is not even a real year. Um, you know, so it, it, I think it's I think it's it's and we have Dougie Hamilton signed for even longer than that. Uh, it New Jersey Devils fans, they should be just absolutely just be kicking back, being like, Yeah, we it's lose, it. who cares, man? This is gonna be awesome. And yep. I think it's it's gonna be great. Yep. Um, all right, and then finally, we, it, it sort of ties into what we were talking about off the top of the show, Ryan, in, in that scoring has gone up mm-hmm. in the playoffs. We are seeing, we are seeing blowouts, and yeah. blowouts include a lot of goals. Yes. What is going on? Why is scoring up in the playoffs this year?
1: Well, I, I think we, we kind we of addressed it, it off yeah. the top. Is like, Goal it's the goaltending, and it's the, the high-octane... Uh, Offenses that we see and I mean what will be really interesting is like getting into the third
0: round. That's what I was gonna ask What will Will it continue?
1: Yeah? I think it'll probably come down a bit because it becomes that war of attrition where more and more guys are Banged up bumps and bruises things like that Um, And the stakes are even higher because you're one series away from the Stanley Cup (laughs) but Kind of fun to see the, the big numbers, at least at this point.
0: Yeah, I, I'm really intrigued to see whether this will continue into the third round mm. because we all know, you know, power play opportunities, they go down. Uh, you know, like, games get tighter. I'm interested to see. It. Anyway, Ryan, you have rapid fire this week.
1: Tis rapid fire time. Uh, I think this will be a fun one. I feel
0: like I'm going to get absolutely clowned on this one because... No, this will be a fun one. Okay.
1: Yes, good. the terror factor <laughs> is low on this good, one. good, 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 good. Okay, so, first question. What is your favorite television theme song right now? Oh, Succession? Current shows. I figured you would say it, that. that. It's that's, a very good, very good choice. I
0: would say Succession's like the has the best theme like ever. Like, honestly.
1: It's up there. Mad Men was really good. Like, Mad Men was really good. Yeah. But I mean,
0: like, if you... It, right now, I think mm-hmm. if you go down the street and you're like, hum the Mad Men theme song. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. But I think if you were like... Like, Ma- like Succession is like, you can put a... Like you can you can put like rap lyrics over that. Oh yeah. Or any lyric like that hits that Kendall Wood. Exactly, yeah. yeah. L to the OG, really. But you can put like (laughs) I always love that too, is my boy Squizzle (laughs) uh, <laughs> cook this up. I'm like, who's Squizzle? Totally. We've never seen Squizzle before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think like like Succession is like a, a like I would listen to that theme like walking down the street. that'd, yeah. Be, that'd be yeah. For sure.
1: I started watching a YouTube video about the composer, and then I got bored because it got really technical. Yes, but I will say my other favorite is Yellow Jackets.
0: I haven't seen Yellow Jackets. So that's the thing. I don't
1: Fantastic theme song because the show you know partially takes place in the '90s. So what they did is they had this couple write a song that sounds like it's from okay, the 90s. Okay, that's perfect. And my only, my only quibble would be, a couple of weeks back, Alanis did a cover of it that they actually used oh, really? in the opening credits. Should not have been Alanis. It should have been Cat Allen from Babes in Toyland mm. because that was a 90s band that really represented alternative music, not Alanis. Now, the but thing is, I was, I
0: I was going to say uh, uh, Peacemaker. Because uh, I'm not sure if you've seen the Peacemaker I opening done, credits. Yeah. But it's it's like the entire cast does like a choreographed dance number. Interesting. And and but it's but the thing is a, a theme song, I think it has to be like original. Like it has to be yes. it can't yes. be you using a licensed song. And it is using a licensed song. Right, right. Um, but yeah. I also think Cheers, sure. where everyone knows your name. I actually
1: got the Cheers parody Flaming Moes stuck in my head oh, really? the other night from
0: yeah. The Simpsons. Yeah. I don't know how that happened. That's great. I mean I think I think the family guy theme, just like it as as quick as it is, it hits. Mm. I remember they, they say the S word in it. And I remember as a when I was in grade five watching Family Guy, that was really edgy and thought that was right. cool. Isis Simpsons. But yeah. but like succession is like like you know the meme of the guy sitting at a piano, playing it while it's on fire? I don't know. There is, there is there is a meme okay. of that. And that is what I think of when I like that that song goes so hard. I would li- like I would listen to that to like hype myself up. Totally. Yeah, yeah
1: I agree. Okay, next question. Who is your favorite, and I I apologize if I don't phrase okay, this correctly, okay, okay. but who is your favorite, like, I'm going to call them villain guest star in a movie, Ooh. which is to say a character that only shows up for maybe like 10 minutes or so. They have one climactic fight scene against one of the good guys, but you really like them.
0: So it has to be a villain. Yes. So it's funny because on the on the rewatchables podcast for mm-hmm. The Ringer, they call this the Dion Waiters award, not okay. not for villain, but like a guy who comes in the movie. He's only comes off the bench. He's only, uh, you know, in the movie or on the court for like ten minutes. Hits right. like eight threes and then leaves. Right. <laughs> you know, um, man, that's a really good question. Like a guy who's not in the movie very long. Yeah. Um, he's basically like a secondary villain. Ah, oh, man. Yeah. Um. Oh, that's a really good question. Cause I'm trying to think of it. Um,
1: I say this having rewatched The Raid two last. Oh well, <laughs> yeah. I, look,
0: I think um, man, 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 man. Oh, John Wick Chapter Four. Have you seen the new no John yet. Wick? I oh, haven't. dude. First of all, it's the best action we've ever seen. Like, I've ha- heard like very good hands though. down, it is it is art. Yes. It should it should win like the cinematography Oscar. Nice. Every shot is beautiful. Every oh, yeah. shot can be the poster. All right. Um, but they're there they take a. Uh, uh, there's one scene where like there's three sort of like sort deadly dudes. Right. Like, there's, like John Wick, um, um, and then there's two other guys. I'm not gonna spoil it, but there's Fair. two other guys. They all meet. They all end up just by happenstance meeting at this club because they need to get one thing. Yeah. And the guy who owns this club, um, it's it's like like sort of famous Hollywood stunt guy Scott Atkins. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And he did like the stunt stuff for, like Ben Affleck's Batman and, right. and just a bunch of stuff. Yeah. But they have been a huge fat suit. Okay. And he's got, like, a, a weird sort of, like, German, French, like, Berlin, or, no, I would say, yeah, German, like, accent, uh, and he's, like, fake teeth, and he's just, like, and, but, like, he moves around like a stunt guy, nice. but he's huge. yeah And I think it's, and that that fight scene, just the way it's choreographed, it's awesome, he's funny, but he's, like, he's funny, and, like, you like to see him, but you also just think it's so satisfying, like, there's so much satisfaction when he eventually gets killed. Nice. Um, that is... I, I don't even remember his name, but honestly, that is like that the guy. best like like sort of g- villain guest star because holy smokes, he's in the movie for 15 minutes, but man, that fight scene is just an absolute work of art. Like it's actually a work of art, and he is so compelling and so great. Nice. Love it.
1: Excellent. I'm go? gonna go with uh, Hammer Girl from The Rage yeah. to Redemption. Fantastic. Like I said, I watched it last night again. Um, <laughs> second prize would go to Gogo from uh, Kill Bill, mm, yeah. Mm. And she was also in um, Battle Royale originally, one of the best movies ever. I
0: have not seen Battle Royale. It's fantastic. I gotta get in on yes. that, yeah. Next question. Okay.
1: What's a rap lyric that you just kind of think about every once in a while?
0: Oh man, that is this is a great question and I have a, I have a couple. One that really gets to me though is it's in, um, I can't. Is it? It's Martians vs. Goblins by the Game, featuring Tyler Creator, and the and the rap lyric. And this is right around twenty twelve or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and remember, I remember this is when LeBron was on the Heat.
1: Okay.
0: And um, and they lost. They were supposed to just like win everything because mm-hmm. he formed that super team. Yeah. They end up losing to the Mavericks, who are way, way sort of out out, like like. It was it was, just, it was literally just like Dirk Nowitzki right. and a bunch of other white guys, right. and they were able to to beat Le, the LeBron super team. Um, but the game goes like, uh, fall back like LeBron's hairline against the Mavericks. That gets me, and then and then in quotes, and then you just hear like Tyler in the back goes, "They lost," you know, Whoa, <laughs> and then it's nice. like, "Oh man!" And I look—I'm a huge LeBron fan, yeah, love it. But like, That's holy funny. smokes, that that. That gets me. Um, that's the only one I can probably say on the podcast. That's fair. Yeah.
1: That's a good one. Mine also, mine also is uh, Odd Future. Related. Oh, really? Okay, The one that I always come back to is Earl Sweatshirt from the song Hive when he says, Breaking news, death's less important when the Lakers lose. And because I work in yeah. sports and yeah. think about yeah. fan bases all the time, I always think about that, where it's like, doesn't have to be the Lakers losing. It can be any other team, but... I would just, that just always pops
0: into my head. My, my, my close runner up, and I, I love Eminem. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm, I was an angsty white kid growing up, so obviously sure. I loved Eminem. But his, his newer lyrics are pretty rough, uh, yeah. uh, I would say. And one is <laughs> I can't believe this is a real lyric, but he goes, You ever heard of Chris Christofferson? Well, I'm pissed, pissed, And I just went, Hang it up, Marshall. But right. yeah, but the, the fallback of LeBron's hairline against the Mavericks is pretty, right. yeah.
1: Right. Final it. question. Mm-hmm. What is a fast food or junk food you have not tried that you really want to?
0: Ooh, that's a really good question because we have uh, like I feel like the cop out answer is like In and Out or whatever. I've mm-hmm. never tried In and Out, oh, and right. there's just so much hype. But then I I feel like when something gets that high, you right. know, it, it, there there then becomes the backlash. People yeah. go it, everyone. It becomes the sort of like In and Out is the best, and yeah. then because it's good. but then people are like oh, it's not that really good. Yeah. Um, man, there's one. Uh, like I've never tried, that's a really good question. I've never tried um, Jack in the Box before. Oh, okay. And yeah. I, I've heard that it can be kind of good. I've also, you know what, I've I, and this is based on the the Anthony Bourdain, um, like sort of, I would say soliloquy about it. I've never been to a Waffle House. I would love, oh. I would love to go to a Waffle House yeah, at like okay. three in the morning.
1: Yeah, well you don't want to be there at three in the morning? No, but I I feel like it
0: would be fun to eat a meal in fear for my life. Yeah, I I do want that smoke, exactly.
1: (laughs) Nice, nice. For me, this is something I read about uh, not long ago. In Utah, and a couple of states around Utah. Oh, here's the Utah reference. They've got this new, not even new trend, the first one was in 2010, but they call it dirty soda. And it's basically these drive-through places that only sell soda and like cookies. But they mix, it's all mixtures. So it's like, it'll be like Dr. Pepper, but then they toss in like coconut and vanilla or, and then they get like, like, I was looking at the menu of one of them the other day and it was like Dr. Pepper, English toffee and like half and half cream. Or like Dr. Pepper and cupcake and raspberry puree or like mm. Mountain Dew and pineapple and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I'm, it's literally like, that would be like the worst thing for you is just to get like pop. Oh. And then they toss more sweet stuff yeah. in the pop, But I really want to go. Oh, that sounds awesome. I really want to try that. Maybe it's because, like, I didn't even realize at first how many of them were Dr. Pepper-based, and that's, like, my favorite. You just love Dr. Pepper, yeah. I love Dr. Pepper. Uh, But I really want to go to one of these places. I am fascinated by them, and uh, if I ever get the chance to go to Utah, I am going to either Swig or one of their competitors that I can find because that oh, yeah. sounds very intriguing to me.
0: Well, I can't think of any reason we'd have to go to Utah at this point, so we'll see. But yeah. um, that sounds like a, a higher class like Coca-Cola remix machine.
1: It totally is. And it's like if they turned it into a store.
0: And those are my favorite things ever. Like I will literally, you know, I I used to live close to the Scotiabank Theater in downtown Toronto and we it's very well documented. I love going to movies on my own. Yep. Try and do it like once a week or whatever. Um, and, uh, and and the Young and Dundas Theater is closer to me, like far close mm-hmm. it's just down the street. But I will literally walk like halfway across the city basically right. to go to the Scotiabank Theater because it has the Coca-Cola remix right, machine. Right, right. Because I wanna I want today I want, you know, Sprite Zero Sugar Grape. Right. Or I want, you know, like, like like barks uh, root beer zero sugar vanilla like I can't they you can't also do have that. Mr. Pib in those machines I know and which Mr. Pibb like is very good
1: Dr. Pepper is like arch nemesis which
0: is funny yeah. too because they 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 don't call it Mr. Pib anymore they just call it Pib. that's true and but and, but I remember l- like knowing that it was called Mr. Pibb I think from like an American Dad episode or uh-huh. something I remember going to like a Johnny Rockets when those existed with my mm-hmm. friends and I saw they had they had Mr. Pib, or like really the Pibs. I'm like, can I get like a Mr. Pib? And everyone was like, why are you calling it Mr.? Why are you referring Pibb. to it? So I'm like, is this Pibb? it's just Pib. And I'm like, a... like, no, you don't know. Please, yeah.
1: please. my father's Mr. Pibb. Yeah, call me Pib.
0: call me, me Pib. Extra, please. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's great. Anyway, is that's that it for Rapid Fire? That's it that, for Rapid Fire. That means is it for the podcast. We'll be back next week to potentially, uh, uh, you know, it, we're in Toronto, so it might be a nuclear fallout, basically, at this point. But uh, if not, we if we don't get caught up in the riots, we will be here. Um, and we will uh, you know, be teeing up the third round for you. Enjoy. We will see you next week.